I want you to turn in your Bibles to 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 3 through 6. Now, I don't know why, but uh, Alicia Lester back there, she has come up with the knack of getting on to my my messages every Sunday morning in life group. She did a great she had she had some great conversation lined up for the the life group that Sarah and I sat in this morning and uh it was uh her her conversation the topic was along the lines of anxiety and worry and uh that's that very much incorporates with where I'm going this morning Alicia. Uh and if you're not been if you've not been coming to a life group, please consider it. There's one in the uh, fellowship hall that is more topical studies that Alicia, uh, she is the, she is the, uh, what I call the instigator of conversation in our life group. And then there's another adult life group that is, uh, led by Brother Barry Sadler. And, uh, Barry is more of a, uh, systematical type Bible study, uh, type, uh, more traditional of a Sunday school meeting. And so if you've not come to either one of those, come be with us some Sunday morning. We'll treat you so many ways. You're bound to like one of them and you get a free cup of coffee out of it. If you, if you like coffee, if you don't like coffee, we'll give you a can of soda or something. But we do, we'd like for you to come and be a part of life groups. Second Corinthians chapter 10. I want to read, uh, verses three through six. Uh, I want you to read along with me this morning. And this is what Paul is teaching again. I, I I don't know. I, I guess I'm, I'm drawn towards Paul's Corinthian writing because uh, his Corinthian writing is... He's, the Corinthian church, you've heard me say it many times, is a church that was troubled. Now, they were, they were a church nonetheless. They had never been disowned or discredited as being a church. But they were messed up in their doctrine. They were messed up in their theology. Uh, they were teaching... Uh, uh, wrong hermeneutics, if you would. They, they, they had, they, they were just messed up. And, but, but God never gave up on the Corinthian church. And how do I know that? I know that because Paul wrote two very strong letters to that church. And you see, you know, God loves us and, and He is married, uh, to the backslider. I think, I think, I hope it's me popping Dave and not something else. I don't move this thing around a little bit. But God is married to the backslider and He loves the church. He loves His church. 2 Corinthians chapter 10 verse 3. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. You'll notice this morning I'm reading from the King James Version. Because the King James Version, the wording tends to be more urgent and have more strength to it in this certain passage of Scripture. I want to read that again. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. Casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ and having in a readiness to revenge all disobedience when your obedience is fulfilled. I want to read that for you one more time. I think it's worthy of reading. From, for the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every evil thought to the obedience of Christ and having in a readiness to revenge all disobedience when your obedience is fulfilled. That's one great old big long sentence. It's one statement in itself. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for the power of your word. And I thank you for the love that you have for your church. And I praise you, Lord, for this service as you give your anointing in Jesus' name. Amen. And so this morning, I want to share this message with you about, I want to introduce it with a thought. I want you to go back and begin to think about the ark. 
We know that story. In fact, somebody, uh, we, we tried to get a trip together and it didn't quite happen. Maybe sometime in the future we can do it. But uh, uh, several hours up the road here, north of us in Ohio, there is a large ark that's been built. And it is, they tell me as a replica and it's very fascinating about the ark that we find in the scripture. Not the ark of the covenant, but I'm referring to Noah's ark. When God filled that ark, he, did, he filled the ark by filling it with animals of their own kind. If you read Genesis chapter 7 in the King James wording, you find the word kind there is used. God filled the ark with animals after their own kind. Now, that means, for instance, let me identify with you what that is explaining. Now, if you're a, if you're a, a dog person in this room, if you're a dog lover, and most people can identify with with canine, you can identify identify with dogs. There are uh, collies, there are Dobermans, there are Rottweilers, there are bulldogs, there's Chihuahuas, there's uh, Pomeranians, there are uh, beet rabbit beagles, there's red ticks, and there's Blue ticks and my, my father-in-law was here. He'd probably be, he'd probably be hollering Walker because he is a coon hunter. You know, and, and so there, there's many kinds of breeds of dogs, but yet they're all dogs. In other words, they are after their own kind. So God, when, when the ark was filled, you didn't find probably in the category of dogs, you didn't find blue ticks and red ticks and, and, and beagles and chihuahuas and Pekingese and all like that. But you found dogs after their own kind. That, that, that indicates to us the existence of genetics or in uh, a more modern day terminology that we think about is DNA. We hear a lot about DNA. You know, they got, they have a thing out there now, uh, and, uh, I have a, some relatives of mine that's asked me to do it. I haven't do it, done it yet because I sort of cringe at the thought. But they'll send you a little thing in the mail and you get this little tube and you spit in that little tube and send them a check for a hundred dollars and they'll tell you where you came from. Mm-hmm. 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 Uh, I'd like to send people some a uh, little tube to spit in and like, take their hundred dollars and you know and it, it probably works. I'm not saying it doesn't at all. I just I just find it hard to spit in a tube and then somebody send somebody a hundred dollars for it. You know that's uh, you know. Uh, uh, but I I'm, I don't go on a rabbit trail here. Speaking of rabbit beagles, I, I'm gonna go on a rabbit trail. But but my son's been digging into a lot of this stuff and he signed somebody. Gave him Ancestry.com as a gift. And, and I found, I have found out that some of my family, my, uh, three generations ago actually came out right here at, in Mercer County, actually, uh, lived and owned property right in what is now the center of Princeton, West Virginia. Their last name was Justice. I may be kin to old Jim. Yeah. Yeah, I may have I may have an alliance, you know, with what's the little dog's name, you know, you know, I may have uh, a baby dog. I may have some kind of alliance there. Who knows? But anyway, God give us indication that there there there's something about genetics There's something about DNA. And, And what that means is we're all individual, but yet we're all the same just because the tiny toy chihuahua. Uh, you know, he's just as much dog as the Great Dane. A miniature pony is just as much a horse as the fastest race horse or one of the, the, the magnificent Clydesdale horses. Then listen, you're, you're, for you cat lovers out there, and I know we have some in the room or some watching, your house cat has the same, some traits are similar to that of a tiger. Their claws are just not as big. So there's something about that. Each one of us sitting in this room, or if you're watching, we we differ in many ways. We're different in many ways. None of us look exactly alike. All of us have our individual thumbprint. Uh, but I don't. T- I don't take another rabbit trail right here. You know, we live in this day where where these things right here. Uh, when I bought, when we got this one a few months ago, when we went to the these are twelves, right? We went to the iPhone 12. I had never used it before, but this thing has facial recognition. When I touch something on it like this, it looks at my... It, I can hold it up in front of my face and it recognizes me and it won't come on. 
uh, I, 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 I had to acquire, uh, I, I'm, I'm praying Dave can save it. You know, he, he is the, he is the savior of computers, but my, my Mac crashed and seemingly burned here a couple of weeks ago and, and, and I, I went and bought a new Mac the other night and it has thumb recognition on it. I lay my thumb up on it and, and it'll just magically open up because it recognizes my thumbprint. Nobody else can do that. But here's what's weird. My son has one of these phones sort of like mine and, and it has facial recognition on it and his daughter, my granddaughter, can pick up his phone and look at it and it comes on. That's to say she looks so much like her dad. That she, there's something there, there's features and traits that can activate that phone. Now, she's very much different than her dad, but there's, they, they have more traits than that alike. I'm, I can reassure you, as she does with her mother. But, but, but as we sit in this room, we defer in many ways. We vary in stature. You got big old tall Brennan back there, and you got little old short me. If I had not quit growing when I did, I would be as tall as him by now. We have, we come, we have different social statuses, which does not qualify us by any means to, in any way with God. We have our personal preferences. Some of us like Chinese. Some of us like Mexican. Some of you like country cooking. I like it all. But, but, but yet we remain alike in so many other ways. More ways than we probably care to realize. You see, our, our individual, our independent circumstance, while they vary greatly, many ways we are the same. Our battles are, in particular, we each have our own battles that we face and our own battles that we incur and engage in, but we must realize that we're all in the same war. We're all in that same war. We're all, we're all in that, we're in that war, that war that exists between heaven and hell. That war between spirit and the flesh, if you would. That, 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 that war exists between God and, and the devil. The battles come to us in many forms. For sometimes it comes to, to us in the form of illness. Other times it, comes in the form of tragedy, or maybe it even comes in financial distress. Oftentimes it comes in relations, relational, relationships, relational battles. You see, I'm a firm believer, I'm a firm believer when the battles of, of, of marriage and, uh, the battles of marital problems and the battles of struggles with parents and children occur. I, I believe that's probably one of the foremost battlefields that, that exists because I believe that while the enemy is interested in, in destroying individuals uh, and tearing down individuals, I believe that he is more uh, puts a more concerted effort, if you would, into destroying families. Because if he has destroyed a family, he has not destroyed one person. He has destroyed many people. If he destroys a family, now we've heard, we've heard, we've all heard talk through our years. Those of you that have been around church a while, you've heard people say, "Well, that's just a family church over there." Well, good, because churches should be made up of families. If God can, or if 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 Satan can destroy a family, then he can also impact a church. You see, so so the family unit, I, I think, is very much a focal point of the attacks of the enemy. So what happens is the battle will come to us in many ways. But Paul's teaching us that as those battles come, the battle is actually, the larger part of the battle occurs in our into our intellect. Our mind. In our mind, you know, we, we, we as believers, we talk about our hearts so often. We even talk about the heart of God, don't we? But understand with me this morning that the heart has, we often refer to it, we think about our heart and, you know, we, I love cartoons. I still love them. I've always loved them. And, and you watch a Bugs Bunny cartoon and oh, Elmer Fudd or something and something would happen and they would depict that his heart would stir and it would show a big old red heart right in the middle of the chest illuminating. 
But you know, in, in the middle of our chest is a muscle that is called a heart. And then that heart, that, that muscle pumps blood that, and it is at the heart of our bodies and it pumps blood throughout all of our extremities. And without that blood flow, we would die. But the reality of it, our, our, our heart, the heart of our spirit lies within our intellect. It's in our knowledge and within our ability. You see, when we die, this muscle is going to quit pumping blood. When it quits pumping blood, we will die. We will leave. We'll expire. We will leave this world. But, but, but in the, in our, our intellect, the, within our intellect, the spirit of a man or a woman, it remains alive. It's an eternal part of us. Paul, Paul is expressing here in these scriptures to the Corinthian church that, that, that battle occurs in our intellect. Now, that does not mean that we do not have physical occurrence. Don't misunderstand me at wrong. I'm not saying that it's all made up and just in your mind. It really is there. It really happens. In light of what's been going on in the world over this last year and a half, and we all are very much aware of it, it it's been numerous times that I have um, I have spoke with people that have been going through COVID. They've been going through uh, COVID themselves or maybe with a fa- family member. And I have found on several occasions that it has been expressed to me that, that, that the whole thing of the COVID virus and the COVID disease is, yes, it's real. It's physically attacking the body, but the mental warfare that is occurring because when somebody hears COVID, there's automatically a fear that arises up in us. If we, you know, if we start thinking, if we, we get up with a sore throat or we get up with sniffles, all of a sudden we're going to think, oh my goodness, could this be COVID? Am I about to die? Could I take COVID pneumonia? And uh, you see, all of a sudden a warfare begins to occur in our mind. And it's just not COVID related. It could be any form or any fashion of anything that happens in our life. But what we, I want you to see this with me tonight that our warfare is not of a fleshly nature. Paul said that in particular. Within the confines of our mind, thoughts are constantly being generated. Since this worship service began, even right now, those of you in this room, those of you watching and listening, since, since this service began, your mind, and even as I'm preaching, my mind is being flooded with thoughts. Thoughts are constantly zooming through my mind. I'm here preaching right now, and, and, and even as I'm preaching right now, I'm thinking, man, I got a good looking wife sitting there on the front row, man. How, you know, how did I, how, I, mar- I really married up, you know. You got thoughts, you got ideas, you, you got things, you're, you're, some of you are sitting in this room, you're thinking about, you're already thinking about lunch. Some of you thinking about what you got coming up at work this week. Some of you are thinking about, oh, what, well, what if this happens and what if that happens or what if this doesn't happen? There's thoughts that are zooming through our mind faster than the speed of light. And those thoughts generate imaginations. But what's what's important, what's so important to us is what we do with those or what we allow to happen with those thoughts and the circumstances that surround them. Martin Luther said, not Martin Luther King, Martin Luther said this. He said, you cannot keep birds from flying over your head, but you can keep them from building a nest in your hair. Now, I don't have to worry about that as much as some of the rest of you, Okay. In the literal sense. But what Martin Luther is saying to us is, there's none of us that have such a control that we can prevent the unkind, unclean, negative thoughts from zooming through our heads. They're going to happen. Fears, imaginations, anxieties, depression, uh, worries. Zoom through our minds. We can't stop that from happening. There, there, there's no way we can, you know, we, we say we put up a mental block, but the only thing, way we put up a mental block is when it's already occurred. We can't do anything. To, they zoom through our heads. Thoughts of retaliation. Thoughts of vengeance often. Thoughts of anxieties. Thoughts of fears. I, I could go on and on and on and, and name the things that are generated as they go through our heads. 
unwholesome thoughts, imaginations that we allow to set up camp in our intellect, in our hearts, will eventually poison our spirits. You see, it's it's what we allow to, to take residence. Now, my first trip to Africa was, you've heard me tell it many times, was was to Kenya. And I went with uh, missionaries Bob and Toma Coram to Kenya. And, uh, they, they, of course, as we're flying over there, giving me all kind of advice, it was my first trip out of the country, my first missionary trip. And they said, whatever you do, they said, there are going to be some of these people, the Kenyans that are going to ask for your address and phone number and everything like that. They said, whatever you do, don't give it to them. I said, why? They said, because if you do, they are going to show up on your doorstep someday. And they will want to take up residence. That's a tr- that is a Kenyan culture. So I was very careful not to give out my address to anybody. Now, that was before the days of Facebook, okay, and Instagram and all like that. And the reason being is, the little house I had then, bless God, I didn't have room for any Kenyan family to take residence with me. There was just enough room for my household. Not that I want to be unhospitable or something like that, but, but, you know, I, I didn't, I couldn't allow somebody else to take up residence in my house. Well, how would you feel right now if you got home from church and you found out there was another vehicle parked in your driveway and you walk in your house and there's somebody sitting on your couch and in your recliner with your remote been been over in your refrigerator, got out your Doritos, got out your Diet Dr. Pepper, and they done took up residence in your house. Would you just say, oh, I'm glad you decided to come stay here. No, no, no. You You wouldn't care for it too much, would you? You see, but sometimes we allow, we allow things to take up residence in our mind, in our intellect, that infiltrate our sanctuary, if you would. And we allow that to, to, that will poison our spirits. Napoleon, one of the greatest military leaders in all of the world, I mean, he, he, he led to the, the victory of, of Great Britain. Napoleon said this and out of his leadership and his leadership skills and has a military leader. He said, one spy in the nighttime is worth more than 20,000 men on the battlefield. One spy in the nighttime is worth more than 20,000 men. Those carnal devilishly instigated thoughts that every one of us wrestle with from time to time. They're nothing more than spies. They're spies. Spies that are sent out to infiltrate our joy and to rob us of our victory. We we have to resist them. Now, Sarah and I have a tradition around our house. Just about every night... From 10 o'clock to 10.30, I can tell you what's going to be going on in our house. We are going to be watching reruns of Hogan's Hero. Every night. I love it. Schultz is one of my favorite. He's my most favorite German. Those of you who are younger, you don't have a clue what I'm talking about, I don't guess. Watch it. Was it Get TV? I think. Me TV. If you go to bed before 10, you just have to DVR it or something. But here's the thing about it. I, I, you know, in, in the military sense, if you know there is a spy, if they, if there is a spy in the camp, effort is going to be put forth to apprehend that spy, to take charge over that spy, or even to execute that spy. Spies can be detrimental to the success of liberty in the military sense, but spies are also detrimental to our victory and our joy in the spiritual sense. So I'm pre- what, I, what I want to preach to you this morning, and I, I, I'm, just, I'm just now getting started, okay? I've got one more hour and I'll be done. I want to preach to you this morning with the thought in mind, there is a spy among us. Now, I'm not talking about any of you in this room. I'm not talking about any of you watching 
are listening that you're spying out anything. We're not in competition against any other church. Uh, the only thing I'm in competition against is the work of darkness. They come to kill, steal, and destroy. But I want you to understand as we, as we talk about uh, there's a spy among us. I want us to look at the four principles that Paul has left to this struggling church in Corinth. Four principles to contend with the spy that is among us. The first thing I want you to recognize is that our weapons are not carnal. Our, we- our weapons are not carnal at all. Now we tend to want to fight with our fleshly abilities. That's why we have disagreements. That's why I heard an, and I won't call the name, but the family, the family actually last year, it was, it was one of the pioneer preachers, uh, uh, in the Pentecostal Holiness Church that I, uh, that the sto- there's a story. I knew him personally. I wasn't there when this event occurred, but said that uh, some man come and he, he was a holiness preacher and some man come to his front porch of his house and jumped on to him and was fussing at him and, and accusing him of all kinds of things and he just hauled off and that, that evangelist punched that man right in the nose, knocked him plumb off the front porch out into the yard and said, bless God now, look what you made me do. You see, it's, it's our instinct to want to retaliate in the carnal. It's our instinct to want. It, it's, it's my instinct. Listen, I drive 77 and 81, the two interstates. I drive them every single day of my life. Let me tell you, I know something about carnal instincts that want to overtake you. If you don't understand it yet, drive 77 and 81 a few days and you will. Especially if they have Ohio plates. Our weapons are not carnal, but what Paul said, they are mighty. He says our weapons are mighty. And then he goes to clarify that our weapons are through God. You cannot find any better weapon. Let me tell you, Royal King has got bunches of them. And they got good buys in them from time to time, by the way. And every once in a while, they even got bullets to fit the guns that you buy. In this day we live in. But here's the thing about it. There has not been a weapon... A, a handgun, a long rifle, there's not been a military tank, there has not been an aircraft carrier, nor a jet plane. There is not, there is not a weapon in existence that is mighty as the weapon of God. He, he is strong, He is mighty, He has never been conquered, and He will never ever be conquered. There is nothing, nothing more powerful than the presence and the power of God. We find that when David, when he was in the classical account of when David was approaching Goliath as that little ruddy-faced shepherd boy, he was not the king of Israel yet, that David actually said, the battle is not mine, but this battle is the Lord's. David did not take ownership of the battle. You and I often take ownership of the battle and we want to fight it within our carnal self. We will most often often lose. If David had fought that battle, remember when Saul tried to put his armor on David, he said, man, I can't do this. This stuff doesn't fit me. It's not been proven. Listen, David realized he could not take any responsibility for the warfare that was ahead of him. You and I, we need to realize and understand and know that the responsibility of the war that we are in does not belong to us, but it belongs to God. And the weapons that we use are not Carnal weapons. You see, our source of weaponry, if you would, I've narrowed it down to three things, three things that are a little bit more in generalities, if you would. Our weapons are prayer. Our weapons is the Word of God, Scripture as we call it. And then our, 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 our another weapon that I, I believe with all of my heart that is critical, and Paul even emphasized in other places the, the importance of it, is fellowship together because iron will sharpen iron. You see, it's very important that we understand that, that, you know, 
many of us in this room know who Barney Fife is, Mayberry RFD, and even if you don't ever watched it, you know, it's, I think, the longest running TV program ever, or one of the longest running, and, and, North, and uh, Mount Airy, North Carolina, still earning great money off of Mayberry, if you've never been down there, go sometime, but, but if you knew anything at all about Mayberry and Barney Fife, you knew Barney Fife, most of the time, he never had his bullet in his gun. It was always in his shirt pocket. He was he was never ready. Many years ago, when when I first started in ministry, I served as an associate pastor, and the pastor that I served under, he was actually bivocational, and he was a deputy sheriff. And I would travel with him sometimes. I would go on patrol with him, in particular on Halloween nights. I'd ride around all night with him on Halloween night, and we had another guy in the church that was doing some ministry, and and he rode along with us one night. All three of us, we looked like Barney, Gomer, and Andy right there in the car, you know. And we're riding around in the car. And uh, and we were we got a call to go way back up in the country in this really dark road and and uh, and somebody had cut a tree down across the road and bless and and those smart Alex they cut one down behind us while we went up in there you know that's the kind of stuff people used to do on Halloween and the guy that was riding with us I was riding shotgun in the front seat and the guy riding in the back he leans up across the seat and he says Don he said you do have a gun don't you. He said, yeah, Brother Perry, I, yeah, Brother Perry, I got my gun on me. Perry goes, Phew. he said, thank God for that. He said, but I forgot to bring my bullets. Perry's going, oh, Lord Jesus, help us, help us, help us. We're on that dark road and we're, we're hemmed in between two trees. But you see, our, our weapons are not carnal at all. But if we will, if we will focus on prayer, and scripture and fellowship. Number two, number two is if we cast down imaginations. I've already touched on this. But how do we cast down? We can't stop thoughts from coming through our mind. We don't have that ability. But if we, but we must cast them down. You see, cast them down doesn't believe that we're preventing them, but it means when they arise, it's what we do with them. And if we'll cast down imagination, we must believe what God says. God says, you are the head and you are not the tail, is what he told his early church, which is a type of New Testament church. You are the head and you are not the tail. He goes on to say to Jeremiah, he said, my plans are for you to prosper. He said, I know the plans I have for you. Their plans are for you to prosper. And and then in another verse of Scripture, uh, in the New Testament, he says, the Lord says, no man shall pluck you out of my hand. Understand with me this morning that when we realize the great plans and the great things that God has for us, it doesn't mean that we're not going to engage in battle. It doesn't mean that we're not going to have spiritual warfare. But listen, as the old timers used to say, you can't go under for going over. You can't lose with God. You may win, lose a little battle, a little battle every now and then, but He has already won the war. This thing is sealed and secure. God has ordained and predestined the church is victorious. His people are victorious. The battle is is His. It is not ours. And He has taken good care of it. Sometimes in the middle of adversity, it's hard for us to remember that. But if we can center our minds upon that and begin to reject the voices of defeat and begin to reject the voices of the enemy and begin to reject the voices of other people sometimes. You know, it's very important who we surround our people, ourselves with. And I'm not saying that you should be mean to anybody. I'm not saying that you should cold shoulder or, or snub anybody. But when you have people that are that are continually speaking negative things in your life, you have people that are continually speaking discouragement and disappointment into your life. You have people that are Job's comforters in your life. You prioritize how much time, prioritize how much influence you give those people in your life. Because if they are having an influence that is pulling you down, you need to find others that are speaking into your life positive things, things of faith, 
things of encouragement, things that are going to lift you up and not press you down. There's one other person that you need to talk to besides the devil and consider besides other people, and that's yourself. I talk to myself all the time. Sometimes I even answer. Sometimes I answer. Because sometimes I find myself, I'll, I'll, be in, I'll get in a conversation with myself and I find that myself is the most intelligent person in the room. Because I'm the only one there. Sometimes I have to talk to myself. This gets into where we really, Alicia was about to mess with me this morning. Life groups. I've got to talk to myself. I gotta, I gotta tell myself just because I woke up with a sore throat and a runny nose doesn't mean that I had COVID, that I've got COVID-19. It doesn't mean that I don't, I can't start visualizing myself in some emergency room laying in an emergency room cot for two or three days. I can't visualize myself being on some ventilator in some hospital for 14 or 15 days. I can't imagine that my family's gonna have to stand around me and make a decision to unhook me, to let me die. I can't imagine myself in that way. But I have to say, bless God, it's because I got out and I mowed the grass and all that cold air and wind last night and all them dead leaves. I don't have COVID-19. I just got out there and didn't have good sense and mowed in 50 degree weather and I didn't have anything on my head and now I woke up and I didn't wake up with a sore throat, by the way. But I just woke up with a sore throat and a snotty nose and, and I am not dying with COVID. I refuse to accept that. I refuse to hang on to that because I have trusted the Lord and He has good plans for me. And if I do get COVID, He is able to take care of me all the way through it. You see, we have to talk to ourselves sometimes. Boy, I'm running out of time. I was just joking about the hour. And that leads into the third thing. We have to capture every thought. But we, when we capture it, I want you to realize what Paul is saying to us. We can't, when, you, when you read the scriptures from Corinthians, especially the King James wording, we take every thought unto the obedience of Christ. You see, sometimes we don't think about the obedience of Christ. We don't think about what Paul is saying there. In Galatians chapter 5, Paul provides a comparative outline to the works of the flesh versus the fruit of the Spirit. If you've never studied it, write Galatians chapter 5, works of the flesh and the fruit of the Spirit. The works, as you, as you study them, in a summary denotes burdensome and discomfort in your life. The works, works, works in themselves. Works, if, if, if we could save ourselves with, with works, it would be uncomfortable. It would be a discomfort. It would be burdensome. Thank God that we were saved by faith in Christ Jesus. Works denotes burdensome discomfort. Whereas fruit depicts pleasantry and goodness. You see, the, the, the root lies within catering or feeding our spiritual man. Paul even states that the flesh is contrary to the spirit and vice versa. Yeah, my, my flesh does not want to do. Listen, for those of you watching live, not in every case, but I'm going to be real mean right now. The reason that you are home watching this is because in some cases, many cases, you are letting the flesh dominate you rather than the spirit and that's why you're home watching now some of you may be working i realize there's some legitimate excuses but the flesh did not want to get up and come to church this morning the flesh but i like it the way richard kingry said it he said he went through a spell one time where he didn't want to go to church he said and he, he said he said to himself he said self he said, I have fed you all week long. I have watered you all week long. I have put you to bed every night all week long. Now, self, 
You're going to get up out of bed. You're going to wash your face. You're going to comb your hair. You're going to put you on some clothes. And self, you're going to get up and you're going to get self in the car. And you're going to drive down the road. And you're going to go to church. And you're going to worship the house in the house of the Lord with your brothers and sisters in Christ. Self, you're not going to tell me what to do because it's Jesus that saved me. And it's Jesus that I worship. And I'm going to go and worship Him with my family today. But you see, the flesh doesn't want to do... It wants to do things contrary to the Spirit. So, when we begin to think about that, the root lies within feeding the spiritual man. You've heard the story of the two wolves. Two wolves, and one of them didn't get fed, one of them did. And the stronger wolf ended up devouring the weaker wolf that hadn't been fed. Listen, it's already started. It's already happening. How many days is it till Christmas? 69 days. That means it is uh, 76 days till New Year's. Is that right? It's 76 days till New Year's. You know what the biggest, you know what the biggest, the largest, the most popular New Year's resolution is? I'm going to lose some weight. What? If you if you watch TV or you're on the internet, see how many ads you get for exercise equipment and gym membership. Hello. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, about a month. You're right. Right. About a month. I read something the other day, and it said that this is a little known fact that fifteen hundred was fifteen hundred fifteen thousand. I think it was fifteen hundred. Fifteen hundred people per day die in the gym working out. And less than 15 people die in the Krispy Kreme line every year. But we, listen, we're, we're in that age, we do things to take, and there's nothing wrong with taking care of your body. Sarah and I have been working trying to lose weight, trying to, to, trying to treat our bodies better and do better by our body. There's nothing wrong with that. But what if, just what if we gave as much concern and attention to our spiritual man as we give to the physical man. Hello. We go to the doctor if we get a big toe ache many times. We medicate at the drop of a hat, and sometimes we'll drop the hat just to do it. We do things to take care. I, I'm pro- I, I know I, I'm trying to finish up here. But you get my point. We provide so much physical care. But how much spiritual care do we find? Here's number four. I, I'm, I'm, I'll try to finish this up quickly. And revenge all disobedience. Disobedience is defined as anything that is contrary to the will of God. That's what that word means in its context. Disobedience is defined as anything contrary to the will of God. That's not necessarily a belligerent act of disobedience. But what it is, is it's those things that occur contrary to what God has for us to walk in. You know, the Bible says to know to do good and to do it not is sin. Hello? You know, we're, we're holiness people. We're still Pentecostal holiness. And we used to pre- preach on cussing, drinking, smoking, chewing, dipping, and, uh, all of, uh, you know, and wearing ear bobs and, you know, and all that stuff. We had about a dozen things we preached on. But you know, to know to do good and to do it not is sin, according to Scripture. Disobedience is anything contrary to the will of God. Disobedience, listen, is the thief of joy. Disobedience is the thief of joy. The Scripture qualifies joy in four capacities. The Scripture tells us, I don't think I put this in, the, the dis, disobedience is, is captured in four capacities in Scripture. There is what the Scripture describes as joy, There is great joy, there is exceeding great joy, and then there is a description of joy unspeakable and full of glory. That's four descriptions. Let me give them to you again. Joy, great joy, exceeding great joy, and joy unspeakable and full of glory. Madison, if you want to come up and be ready, please. In Romans chapter 12, we find that God says, vengeance is mine. Vengeance is mine. 
says the Lord. Lord. Lord says, I'll repay. I'll take care of things. But we take ownerships of the, we take ownership of the battles that God has said that belong to Him. He said, I will fight. You trust me. I like what I heard Dr. David Jeremiah say in a message a few weeks ago. He, he was talking about the second coming of the church, you know, uh, uh, at the, at the end of, at the end of the millennial age when the church comes back and God comes back to make war with the kings of the earth and he says all of, all of the bride of Christ, we're all going to come in white garments. He said, who in the world, what army goes to, out to fight a battle in white garments? He said, God's army because God really doesn't need the army. He's just bringing the army along with him. We're not going to have to do anything. That's why we can dress in white. See, God doesn't need us, but we do need him. Vengeance is mine. The Lord says, by submitting ourselves to God through prayer and word and fellowship, we submit ourselves to His will. And and we're expressing, God, you can handle anything that comes my way. I can't, but you can. When we submit ourselves to God, listen, the Holy Spirit will then avenge us. Because it's in the epistle of James. James wrote... Submit yourselves therefore to God and resist the devil and he will flee from you. Now that's probably one of the most misquoted scriptures. It's not really misquoted. It's just only quoted in part. So many times people, I've heard people throughout years and years, I've heard people say, well, you know what the scripture says, resist the devil and he'll flee from you. No, 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 no. Submit yourselves therefore unto God. Then resist the devil and he will flee from you. If you don't believe that, you can read an account of some uh, of some Jewish boys that went to, a, to cast out a devil. That devil turned around and he spoke to him and said, "Jesus, I know Paul, I know, but I don't know you guys." And they and they whipped those they whipped that devil whipped those Jewish boys and ran them off naked, stripped them of their clothes. You see, it's important that we understand submission. Submit yourselves to God. Prayer, word. And fellowship are critical ways to do that. So I'm landing this plane. The spies of hell come our way by way of our intellect, our mind, to infiltrate us, to spy out our liberty, to rob us of our joy, and to rape us of our peace. Our only defense, the only defense that we have, the only defense that we need, when I say only don't sound that. I don't mean that to sound hopeless. The only defense that we need is to walk in the Spirit. Because when we walk in the Spirit, we will not fulfill the Word of God says or give heed to the works of the flesh. Listen to me if you've not heard anything else. I'm going to count 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13. 13 words. I want you to hear these 13 words if you haven't heard anything else I said. We will never walk in the Spirit apart from prayer, the Word, and fellowship. We'll never walk in the Spirit apart from prayer, the Word, and fellowship. And when we come into that atmosphere with God prayer the written word the spoken word of God and fellowship when we come into that place with God guess what the enemy becomes captured he becomes captured oh he may rage He may have a loud bark. He may have the longest fangs that you've ever seen in your life. His claws claws may protrude inches off off of his hands. But he's restrained. He's restrained. He's restrained not by carnality, not by our flesh and blood, but he is restrained by the Holy Spirit. The Lord said, don't fear who can... Don't fear man who can destroy this this body, this fleshly body. But he said, fear me. 
that can destroy both soul and body in hell. You see, God's got it covered for us. And, and, and instead of letting things rob us and steal from us and the imaginations that are zooming through our mind even right now. If we'll begin to think. And I love it. I was sitting in a Harley owners group meeting yesterday. And that's not not in its entirety because we have ladies of Harley that attend our meeting as well. But the Harley-Davidson motorcycle, our, our group that meets, bunch of old hairy-legged roughneck guys, you know. And they got, they, they, some in the room got into this, this, all this discussion about everything that's going on in the world, in particularly COVID. And one of those guys, I love what he said, and, and, uh, he's a Sasquatch. He said, you know, he said, yeah, he, he talks like this. He said, hey, listen here, and Jim, you may be watching this. I hope you are, because you blessed me when you said this. He said, hey, listen here. He said, I want to tell y'all something. He said, the way I look at it, he said, I'm not going to leave this world. He said, until the good man upstairs is ready to call me out. He said, that don't mean I'm going to jump out in front of a nine millimeter somewhere. He said, but until he's done with me, I ain't going to leave this world anyway. And if we can focus our heart and, and get those thoughts and get those attentions and get those worries, those fears and apprehensions out of our mind and realize God has got our backs. He's covering us. He, he's got us covered so much that He sent His Son to bleed and die for us. I want you to bow your heads. This morning in this room, I, I want to tell you, if you're not saved, or if you're watching my live stream and you're not saved, you are very susceptible to fears. We're all susceptible to those fears, to the imaginations that run through our hearts and minds. But here's one thing I want you to know with me this morning. Just because I'm a believer in Jesus Christ, just because I'm a Christian, doesn't mean that I'm better than any of you all. But I'm better off in the sense that I, I, I'm firm in my belief and my faith according to scripture and I have a dependency upon the Lord Jesus Christ I, 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 do I have fears do I have apprehensions do I have thoughts yes I do absolutely I have to fight back I have to fight back but I can't fight them back in my own I have to fight them back through the word of God I have to fight resist in my spirit let the Holy Spirit I have to pray and when, when I don't know what to pray for the Bible tells me that the Holy Spirit will begin, begin to pray groanings and intercessions for me that I don't even that I don't even understand. So here, here's where you're at. If you're in this room or you're watching this morning and you're not saved, you don't have that. You don't have that. Not being critical of you, but you don't have that. If you're in this room and you're unsaved and or you're watching and you're unsaved, you're backslidden on God, you're drifted far, far away from the shore, you can't even see land anymore, you're missing out. then those of us that are here and we're believers and we've given our hearts and lives over to Jesus and we're full up of the Holy Spirit sometimes we forget that we're the sons and daughters of a champion you see although he was on the wrong side of the fence Goliath was a champion the whole army of the Philistines didn't go out every day it was just Goliath sent out he was the champion realize that us as the church the body of Christ we have a champion that champion's name is Jesus he single handedly walked up a mountain he single handedly allowed himself to be nailed to a cross he single handedly allowed himself to be put to death and he had victory over and brought victory over death hell and the grave he's the champion we don't have to stand up on the battlefield and go to war with anybody 
flesh and bone and punching people in the nose. Sure, sure, it's nothing wrong with standing for, for certain things. I'm not suggesting that at all. But ultimately, we don't have to fight this fight. God has done that. He has provided that to us through the Lord Jesus Christ. So why are we concerning ourselves with the warfare and the battles of this life and losing out on the joy of our salvation? So if you're in, the, in this room, And you're letting the circumstances of life rob you of your joy. You're letting the circumstances going on in whatever it is in your life. Maybe it's just the circumstances of the world. And it's taking you and it's robbing you of your joy. I want to say something to you this morning. Turn it over to Jesus. Turn it over to Jesus. You know, there was back in the days of early contemporary gospel music, there was a song that says, Give it all, give it all, give it all to Jesus. He's wanting this too. He's already positioned himself there as the champion. So if you're in this room and you're unsaved this morning, if you're in this room and you're struggling today as a Christian, you're saved, you're on your way to heaven, but you're really struggling. You're struggling having victory. You're struggling having joy. You're struggling having peace in your life right now. I just wonder if while heads are bowed and eyes are closed, I just wonder if in an act of faith, and a public act of faith that says, I at this this time, this point, this day in my life, I am going to make a decision. I am going to make a commitment that things are going to be different in my life from now on. I just like you to come up here and meet me right now. Anybody in this room? Nobody's looking around. Just get up, get up and step out. I mean, I want to tell you, I've done it before. I've done it lots of times. That I have to step up and say, hey, I've got to I've got to rethink my life. I've got to rethink my Christian experience. And I've got to let Jesus. You know what? Sometimes people ask me. They'll say, how's your church doing? I said, I don't have a church. They'll say, oh, you're not pastoring anymore? I said, oh, yeah, I still pastor. I said, but that's not my church. I said, that's God's church. If it's my church, I don't have to take care of it. It's God's church, He'll take care of it. Is there anybody in this room? says, Pastor, I need to surrender my life to Jesus. Pastor, I need to, I need to quit worrying about things. I need to be more submissive to the will of God. I need to let Him be my champion. Even though I'm saved, I need to allow Him to be my champion. Anybody in this room, one more time. Here's what I want us to do then. I want us to stand to our feet. I'm glad John Jenkins preached till 1230 the week before last. Uh, I'm still, I'm still in, I'm still, he's got me beat, okay? I'm just kidding. John did a great job. He, and I, we love him, Millie, and, uh, hope, hope that there'll be ministering some more for us in the future. But this morning, right now, I just want us to begin to pray. And I want you to do this with me. I don't want to embarrass you. But all over the world, whether you're watching an old cowboy western or even in modern day, there is a sign all over the world. Certain things mean certain things. No matter where you go to in the world, if you do this, it's a sign of surrender. I surrender. Hands up. I surrender. Right now, if you so choose, if you so pleases you, I just want you to lift your hands to heaven. And I just want you to join me as I surrender everything to the Lord. Admitting that the battle is not mine, but it is His. Can you join me in this place? Fathers, we come to you today, Lord. I surrender everything to you. I worship you, God. I praise you. Lord, there's things that I've taken on my plate. Lord, there's things that I... That I've taken the burden on my back. My shoulders become heavy at times. God, I I apologize to you, sir. I repent before you. Because I know that you've already paid that price, Lord God. You've already made a way, Lord. And Lord, right now, Lord, your yoke, your burden is easy and it's light, God. And I give everything to you. I give it all to you, Jesus. I surrender to you. I surrender to you today, Jesus. I release everything to you, Lord. All of my worries, all of my fears, all of my apprehensions, my anxieties, Lord, I give them to you, God. God, 
right now, Lord. I pray if there's someone in this room, Lord, that's having panic attacks during the night, I pray that, Lord Jesus, that, that God, that they will find a, a measure of faith, Lord. They're, they have it, Lord. But they'll exercise that measure of faith, Lord, and give it to You, Lord. And they will sleep peacefully at night. Lord, I pray for those, Lord God, that, that, that just become overwhelmed with fear. Lord, they're having heart palpitations. They're having, Lord, they're having other illnesses that are occurring in their body because, Lord, they're trying to battle carnally in their own flesh. They're trying to battle against the elements of life. God, may they give it to you today, Jesus. May they give it to you and surrender everything to you right now. Hands up, hearts hearts abandoned Lord God right now Jesus Lord we surrender everything to you God we hold nothing back but we give it to you Lord we give it to you Lord we give it to you Lord and we worship you in Jesus name thank you for being our victor thank you for being our champion thank you for being our God and our Lord and our mighty King Lord, we are more than conquerors through You. Lord, we proclaim Your Word that we are more than conquerors through You, Lord, right now. In the name of Jesus. We worship You, Lord. We worship You, Lord. We worship You, Lord. We worship You, Lord. We praise You today. Now, is there anybody in this room who needs special prayer for any reason before we draw service to a conclusion this morning? You can keep on singing, Madison. That's good. Great song. Great song. Anybody all need special prayer? I do want us to pray for those that have lost loved ones. Uh, the, I want us to pray for, to continue to pray for the Poe family, the Wood family, uh, Brother Walter Lee. Uh, unfortunately, as you've heard, won't be with us next week due to the passing of his wife. I want us to pray for Scott Roberts and, and all of his family. His mother passed away earlier this week. Uh, let's just pray for all those that are in need and encourage them. Pray for one another. Cast down every imagination, every evil thought, every evil imagination. Every thought that opposes itself against the work of God, cast it down in your minds this week.